Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. All right, thank you, thank you. Uh, wonderful to be with you. Welcome to all of you that are with us online as well. We're so grateful that you are a part of our church and our community, and we're excited that you're with us today, and we're excited for you being with us in person in the future. Uh, we just keep growing more and more every single week. Uh, it's been wonderful. It's been incredible, this great new season. Uh, God has uh, confirmed to me that this that the baby has been born. These first two years of Oaks Church were literally a birthing time, and this is the baby. God has birthed the baby, and we're here, we're healthy, we're whole, and we have an amazing future, and we're so glad that you're a part of it. Uh, I'm really excited today. I'm going to try my best to be um, subdued, because it's Pentecost Sunday, and that's a really big deal. It's a really big deal that a lot of people don't understand and don't know about. And I want to take my time and I want to make sure that I explain to you properly what this holiday represents and why it's so important. Um, I got a weird little ring in my ears up here, and I don't know if it's something on the stage or something going on, but I know they can help me with that. I want to pray real quick because today is one of the most controversial days in church history that we're celebrating, Pentecost Sunday. And by the end of this sermon, you'll understand, you'll, you'll recognize why and what that represents. Uh, but I wanna pray specifically. Father, right now we just ask you in Jesus' name that you would release your word very clearly in this place, that you would speak very clearly. Father, no one is here to hear the clever ideas of a human. God, we're here to hear your word and to understand what you think and what you say. So, Father, would you release your spirit, and God, as I do my best to convey your message, would you help me by the power of your Holy Spirit and speak the words that your children need to hear and help them to hear exactly what you would have them hear, over, 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 overshadow my human frailty with your supernatural power. In Jesus' name, amen. The series that we are in right now is called Inspired. We're talking about being in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and learning how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in many different ways. And so as we've gone on this journey, uh, we've walked through a number of different things, and it's led us to this moment. We're not done with this series. Uh, I believe we have a few more weeks left. I really want to get into and teach you all about all of the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, when Jesus ascended upon high, he gave gifts down to men. And the Holy Spirit, when he was delivered to the people of God, came bearing and giving gifts and their gifts of power. But I also wanna take some time and I wanna go into what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's oftentimes in different churches, certain churches focus mostly on the gifts of the Spirit and other churches focus on the fruit of the Spirit and we need to be focused on both. Both of them are equally important in our lives and it's something that we need to understand and we want to walk in. I don't want the people of Oaks Church to ever um, feel confused about certain topics because we don't take the time to really give them what they deserve and teach them the way they need to be taught. So I don't want to rush through this into another uh, clever title or series theme. I want to make sure that we really finish this. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. Very good. So I want to take just a second. I want to talk about how many of us grew up. How many of you grew up in church? 
Okay, all right, good. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you really didn't grow up in church, didn't go very often? Okay, that's all right, good. You know what, there's, there's, we all have our own journeys, right? We all have our own journeys. You know, there are people that have been in church all their life and are miserable people. <laughs> it's just true, right? And there are people that have never been in church their whole life, and all of a sudden they have an encounter with God. They're the greatest person you ever met. So it's not about your path. It's just each of us have our own journeys. But I want to kind of walk you through something because the, the way the church, the early church launched is very different in a lot of ways than how the church is right now. See, when the early church of Jesus Christ launched, there were no denominations. There were no Lutherans. There were no Methodists, no Presbyterians, no Baptists, no Free Will Baptists, no Southern Baptists, no Independent Baptists. Baptist, Baptists, man, they can, they, can, they can split up in a heartbeat, right? I mean, there were no denominations, right? This is, this is something that we as humans have created because we're human and we get in arguments and we, I mean, we split fellowship over things that are silly oftentimes, things that are non-essential oftentimes. And so we have right now what we understand the word Catholic church, when it was birthed, that title, it meant the universal church, the one church. It didn't mean what we think of today. But if you look at how churches are, you have a far left side and a far right side. Actually, this is my right. This is your, maybe I should do the opposite. I don't know. I'm backwards over here. But if I go all the way over to this side, what we have is we have the Catholic church. And if you've ever been in a Catholic church, they're beautiful. It's very reverent. Uh, it's very systematic. There's lots of stained glass. They only have an organ most of the time. And, it, and it's a very, very systematic service. You take a little step over and now you're a Lutheran. Right, and, the, and there's very similar, and then it's a Presbyterian, and then you're a Methodist, and then you get into all the, kind of the middle ground is all the Baptist-type churches that are here in the middle ground, and they're like, okay, we're not there, and we're definitely not here, because over there, it's really exciting. See, as you move to the right of Baptists, you begin to get into non-denominational churches, and then you get into uh, spirit-filled churches, and then charismatic churches. If you keep going way over here, you get into Pentecostal churches. And some Pentecostal churches, they just, whatever Jesus said, they just believe it. And when he said, you'll pick up snakes and they won't harm you, they kind of put that to the test. Some of them get a little crazy out there, right? Now, I don't know where on this spectrum you grew up, but my parents grew up right here. My parents came out of the Pentecostal holiness movement, and it was wild. It was incredible and powerful. I mean, very powerful. Lots of spiritual power. Lots of exciting things going on. But as they grew and they developed, there was also a lot of a lot of legalism and a lot of rigid teachings and things of that nature. Like uh, there was the thing called no co-ed bathing, and that meant that meant boys and girls can't swim together, right? I mean. They're not bathing, they're swimming for crying out loud, right? Girls had to wear jean skirts all the way down to their ankles. You couldn't wear any jewelry, no makeup. They had one hairdo, it was called beehive things stacked all the way up to the top. And it was just a little rigid. So my parents started moving over this way a little bit and I kind of grew up in what would be the Assemblies of God type churches. Then we moved a little over here and, and, and then we were more of the kind of the non-denominational charismatic. I grew up in the 80s in Tulsa during the charismania. I saw lots of wild things. I saw things that were really, really weird, but let me tell you, I saw things that were really, really powerful. I saw people healed miraculously. I, I, I saw things with my childhood eyes that convinced me of the power of God. 
I saw miracles. I saw healings. I had my pets get healed. Because my parents said, hey, there's anything, we just pray for it. An aspirin comes later. Doctor's visit come later. It's pro, we pray first. Everything was about the power of God when I grew up. And, and guys, I'm telling you that somewhere we, we can be so extreme on one side or the other, and what we need to find is Jesus. Because <laughs> it's really not about the opinions of man. It's, about, it's not about the interpretations of man either. I heard it said one time, and this is one of the best things I've ever heard in my whole life. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Theology means how you think about or, or the, the study of God. If we just would study and understand Jesus, we would understand the perfect nature of God because Jesus literally said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you want to know the Father, we start by knowing Jesus. So what we want to pay attention to is what does Jesus say about things? What did Jesus teach about things? What was Jesus's position on things? What was Jesus's position on the Holy Spirit? We've been talking about this entire series, and that's why I'm telling you, this is one of the most important series you could ever hear, you could ever listen to, you could hear it over and over and over again, send it, share it, get it out there to your friends and family, because a lot of churches won't talk about this stuff because they're afraid people might leave. And I've just made a decision that I'm not gonna stand before God and, and, and him tell me I'm a, I was a chicken. I'm not going to do that. I want to stand before God and he'd be like, well, you, you gave it your best. You know, I'd rather have that than, hey, you sure were a sissy, Joel. I couldn't believe. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to risk talking about things that are potentially controversial because I love God more than I love you. And I love you too much to not tell you the truth. Right? So Pentecost, what does that even mean? The word Pentecost means 50 days. That's what it means. The holiday of Pentecost is also in the Jewish culture called the Feast of Weeks. There were seven weeks, the Feast of Weeks. 49 days is seven weeks. On the 50th day, it was Pentecost. So if I could just take a moment and walk you through where the feast of the Jewish people came from, they were established when the children of Israel were being rescued out of Egypt, out of slavery. They'd been out of their own home country for 400 years. And when Moses came and rescued them out on the last night that they were in slavery in Egypt, there was a brand new holiday established called Passover. If you remember, there were 10 plagues. River turned to blood, gnats, flies, mosquitoes, frogs, locusts, all kinds of crazy stuff, darkness. It was an amazing, if you have not read of the plagues in Egypt, they were incredible. And the very last plague was the most severe. See, on the very last night that they were in Egypt, they were instructed to prepare a perfect, spotless, innocent lamb to kill it and drain its blood, to prepare it for dinner, to roast it with bitter herbs and, and to use a flatbread with no yeast and to have wine at the table because it had a specific significance to it. And they were to put, take the blood of that lamb and put it on the top and on the two side posts of their door. And it represented the sacrifice of the pure and perfect lamb of God. And there was an angel released by God called the death angel 
you don't want to meet that guy. You may want to see some angels. You don't want to see that one. God has a death angel. That's kind of freaky right there. That's something to, to think about. Not that God, we need to work. And again, there are a lot of verses about living in holy fear of God. But, but the picture is that if they had the mark of the innocent lamb on the door, the death angel would pass over. But if they didn't, the firstborn son and the firstborn animal of their flock would instantly die. And so on that night, they were to sit down with their sandals on, their staff in hand, and eat that meal with readiness, with preparedness. And in that night, the death angel came and passed over. That's why it's called Passover. All of the Jewish households, but every single Egyptian household that didn't have the mark of the innocent lamb on their doorpost, they lost in that moment, in that instant, their oldest firstborn son and the firstborn animals of their flock. So in the morning when people woke up and realized what had happened, there was a sound that filled the nation of Israel, the sound of mourning. And it was at that moment that Pharaoh's heart that was so hardened was finally broken. And he called for Moses and said, get these Israelites out of here. Go and worship your God. I don't want you here anymore. But before they left, God instructed them to go to their Egyptian neighbors and ask them for a financial blessing. And all of the Egyptians literally gave their gold and their silver. In one moment, the Egyptians were plundered by Israel and all of their wealth was taken and they left and they went on a journey. The next thing we see is them at the Red Sea and it's closed off and now Pharaoh is ticked because he has settled down away from his grief and he's ready for some vengeance and he's closing in on them and Moses stretches out his hand and the Red Sea opens. And the dry ground is, it's instantly dry and the two million Israelites walk across on dry ground and as soon as they get through, all of a sudden the Pharaoh and his army tries to come in and the water collapses and destroys the entire army. It was a massive, massive overturn of world power in an instant because of the power of God. And then the Israelites follow Moses and they continue on their journey and they come to a place called Mount Sinai and they set up camp there. Mount Horeb is another name of it. And they're setting up their camp and, 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 and Moses is trying to take care of them. And these are unruly people. The Bible called them stubborn and stiff-necked people. There's hope for some of you. God picks stubborn and stiff-necked people like me and my wife to do things for him, Right? And in this place, there was a cloud that came and hovered and covered the mountain, and Moses went up with his assistant, Caleb, and they go up, I believe it was Caleb, right? Am I saying the wrong name? Joshua, I said the wrong name real fast. There's two little homeboys, Joshua and Caleb, they're best buddies. Uh, he goes up with Joshua, and that on, in that cloud is where he encounters God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments written with his own finger, God's own finger on tablets of stone, and he comes down with those Ten Commandments and presents the law of God to the people of Israel, and it was exactly on the 50th day from their escape from Egypt. So the celebration of Passover is followed by the celebration of the feast, the feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, which is the giving of God's word, okay? So the Torah, God's word, God's commands, are the most valuable, most precious thing inside of the Jewish faith, and God's words should be massively precious to us as well, amen? The giving of God's word is hugely valuable. Now, let's, let's overlay the story of Jesus. 
on top of this. Jesus was the Passover lamb who died for our sins, most likely on a Wednesday, not on a Friday. We celebrate holidays sometimes in Christian uh, history that aren't necessarily exact because Jesus had to be in the grave for three days and three nights. And so with, with, the, with the, the calendar, a Jewish calendar, Wednesday night to Thursday would be one day, Thursday to Friday, another day, Friday to Saturday would be the third day. So somewhere between sun, sunset on Saturday and sunrise on Sunday, Jesus rises from the dead on the Sunday morning, but Passover was when he died. See, we forget that he was literally taken captive on that last night. And watch this. He's literally on that Wednesday night. He's sitting with his disciples. They're celebrating Passover. They're eating the Passover meal. And Jesus gets up from that meal and walks to the garden with his people, explaining to them the whole time what's going to happen. And then he's taken captive. And by the next morning at 9 a.m., he's already on the cross and he's dead by 3 p.m. It was a rapid thing. It didn't take long. He died on Passover. And he rose again on Easter Sunday. And then it says that for 40 days, so I want you to think about it, Passover is the first day. Three days later, he, ri he rises from the grave. 40 days, it says, that he revealed himself to the disciples and shared with them the scriptures. So we've got 40 plus three. And then it says that he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on them so that they would be filled with boldness to be his witnesses. And they go to Jerusalem, and seven days later is Pentecost Sunday. Exactly 50 days. Three plus 40 plus seven, 50 days. We see the specific and the intentional mirroring, mirroring of the nation of Israel coming out of slavery, being, having a sacrificial lamb pay the price for them. They escape from slavery. It's the same picture of Jesus Christ, who was our sacrificial lamb that, that, that saved us out of slavery to sin and death and brought us into a place of life. It's important that you understand the symbolism. Because three is the number for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Forty is the number for a trial, as in a court case, a trial. And seven is the number of completion. So we have a very beautiful picture, a God trial that has been completed. Fifty days. Pentecost is a really big deal. Pentecost is all about power and boldness. Can I read the words of Jesus to you from Acts chapter 1? Verse 3 says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, which he promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now watch the disciples. They're not getting it. Verse six, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you about at this time to go and restore the kingdom of Israel? They want to talk politics. Jesus is talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples want to talk about politics and end times. Church people can be really ridiculous sometimes, 
And all they're thinking about is the political stuff and the end time stuff. And Jesus wants you to focus on what's really important, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and his power that's available to you as a believer. Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Watch, watch. But this is what he wants you to focus on. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses to McKinney, Texas and Collin County and North Texas and all of America, even to the ends of the earth. Now, there's two words I want you to see. The word power is the word dynamite, dunamis. It's significant power. It's, it's earth-shaking power that the Holy Spirit gives to you. There's two words in the New Testament typically used for power. One of them is dunamis, and one of them is exousia. Exousia is executive authority. And Jesus also gives us executive authority. But when the Holy Spirit comes, we receive the dunamis dynamite power. Now watch. The second word I want you to understand in this passage is the word witness. The word witness doesn't mean it necessarily how we think of it right now. We think of it like a witness uh, to an accident or a witness to a crime or a witness to a court case. The word witness here is martus. It's the word for martyr. This is not a very exciting invitation. I'm going to give you my power to be martyrs for me, to die for me. See, there are heroes of the faith. Guys, you have a Bible because someone died for you. Not just Jesus, followers of Jesus. You have Christian freedoms in America because somebody died for you. Not just Jesus. There have been martyrs for the faith because they stood up for the faith and didn't bow down to the system. And we've got to recognize the times that God is calling us to be bold and to stand up for what is right and what the Holy Spirit is declaring. Amen? Amen. It's important. I'll give you power to be my witnesses. It's all about power. It's all about boldness. Jesus doesn't want you weak and powerless as his follower. Remember, I told you perfect theology is Jesus Christ. How did Jesus Christ walk? He walked in power and but was Jesus ever, there's only one time we've seen Jesus nervous. And it's when he's about to go to his death. There's not another moment where Jesus was ever, Jesus walked in such power and boldness. He stood before Pontius Pilate. He stood before the Sanhedrin and the, and the, Phyllis, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He, he stood before every authority with power and boldness. He walked into every situation with full confidence that he possessed inside of his spirit the solution for whatever was going on in that situation. And he said that those of us who believe in him would do what he did and even greater things. See, it's often too easy for us as believers to say, well, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. But yet you kind of are because he's your identity. See, if you get caught up in your identity that you're blonde with blue eyes, if you get caught up in your identity that you're tall and skinny, that you're short and not, whatever you get caught up in, whatever your identity, your identity is not your skin color. It's not your gender. 
It's not your hobbies. It's not your vocation. That's not your identity. Those are just qualities of your earthly existence. It's not your true identity. Your actual identity is eternal. Jesus Christ is your identity. And your MO... Guys, some of the biggest problems we have in our world today is because people are caught up on a temporary fake ID called race or gender or or economic class or whatever. It's a temporary identification. It's not the true identity. And as the people of God, we need to be sensitive to people that are hurt and are dealing with certain things, but we also need to rest in our own understanding that those are not our identity, and we need to lead from that and lead in love. Amen? And it takes boldness. It takes power of the Holy Spirit. What if instead of arguing, we prayed for people? What if instead, listen, what if instead of telling people, hey, I'll be praying for you, what if we actually laid hands on them right then? What What if we actually began walking around looking for opportunities to minister to people because we recognize that we carry the solution for the hurts of the world inside of us? It's called the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is a massive festival in Jerusalem. People come from all over for Pentecost to celebrate the giving of the Torah. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Remember the word for wind is pneuma, it's spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is blowing. And he came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, flickering fire. God is described as fire. He's an all-consuming fire. When he appeared to the Israelites in the wilderness, it was fire. When he appeared to Moses in the bush, it was fire. So we're seeing a picture of God resting on top of people's heads with a tongue of fire It separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, the breath of him, and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them or gave them the utterance. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard this sound, it was a public experience. They heard the sound of 120 people praying out loud in other languages and prophesying in other languages, but they could tell that they were Galileans because of their dialect. So you can live in Dallas and you can hear some different dialects. You go out to East Texas and you hear one. (laughs) From Texas, that's how they talk. In Dallas, we're kind of a mixing pot. There are regions where you just know where they're from. You hear someone who's from New England, they're gonna park the car real far. You, know how, you just know where they're from because of how they talk. They could tell these people were Galileans by their dialect. They were from the hill country. They were from the wine country. They were country folk. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-feeling Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? 
How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we all or we hear them declaring the word of God in our own tongues. Now watch this, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And somehow were made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. I mean, dealing with Jesus' people, it's, it's very common to have that happen. I mean, they did ruin a wedding and Jesus had to make more, so it could have, but not this situation. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you carefully to what I say. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even uh, my... Uh, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and I will show signs, uh, wonders in heaven and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the beginning of the Christian church. It was just a few days old, 120 people in the upper room. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits and by the end of the afternoon, Peter makes an altar call. And they said, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the Holy Spirit just as we did. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who will ever be called according to his name. This is a generational blessing. The receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same way that they did it does not expire. It will never expire. The Holy Spirit is eternal. He can and is with you and can be in you, and you can walk in his power. You can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit just like the disciples did. It did not expire. They're still here today. They happen all over the world. Miracles happen all over the world all the time, especially in countries that aren't as smart as us, aren't as educated as us. We're so highly educated, we, we're so smart, we outthink God all the time and we blow past his blessings because we would rather follow the science. I don't need to pray, I'll just take an Advil. No, 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 I'm fine, I'll just go to the doctor. There are nations, they don't have that luxury. So they have faith and God does miracles by the millions, they have not ceased. They only cease where there is no faith. There was one environment that Jesus could not do miracles. And he, it says that he marveled. They actually impressed him with their lack of faith. So this is a really big deal. This is a huge deal. This is the fulfillment, guys, of the work of Jesus Christ. There's only one thing left for Jesus to do. Come back. He fulfilled everything. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he came, he was born, he lived a perfect life. He died for our sins, he rose again, he, he, he ascended into heaven, he gave the Holy Spirit down to men, 
and he's coming again one day. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, you don't have the gospel without the Holy Spirit. It's not the full gospel without the Holy Spirit. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, without the Spirit being released into the earth so that we could have the power to be his witnesses. We don't have the full gospel. If we in churches don't include the whole story, it's not the full gospel. It's important that we understand that. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's why I will never back down talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and all that stuff, because it's the power of God unto salvation, and I will not be ashamed of it. I mean, he, he literally said there will, be, there will be signs and wonders. There are going to be things that make you wonder. There are going to be things that you don't understand. There was weird stuff that I grew up seeing. I grew up in, do you, anybody, any of y'all remember the laughing craze, the whole laughing thing? I don't get it. It's kind of weird. Did it help somebody? Maybe. Kind of confused me. I remember being in a service and everybody was laughing. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. There were these revival services where everybody would just laugh. And it was the joy of the Lord being released. Hey, you know what? It's fun to laugh. And it's, and it's kind of hard to find clean comedians nowadays. So, you know, people laugh in church. That's good. But I remember going down, being a teenager, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to receive prayer. Because, I mean, I don't want to miss out. Everybody else is getting this stuff. And and, and I'm not going to tell you the name of the, of the pastor, but a world-famous pastor, world-famous, praying for me to receive it, receive it, Rece- and I'm talking breaking my neck, and I'm like, mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to fake it. Look, you ain't pushing me down. Jesus is going to, I'm like this, Jesus is going to knock me down. I ain't falling. And if, if it's real... Be like a lightning bolt, uh, right? I, I, don't, I don't need fake. And this guy made me feel like there was something wrong with me. It's a human. A very well-known, if I said his name, almost all of you would know him. Know the name at least. Guys, humans can get caught up in weird stuff. But that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because the power's real. Miracles are real. Healings are real. Happens all the time. Prophecy is real. Happens all the time. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can't get offended because of a human operating in human understanding when God has showed us that it's real and Jesus is the model. Jesus operated in every single one of the gifts of the Spirit. He walked in the gifts of the Spirit all the time. He had the fullness of the Holy Spirit inside of him. So why is Pentecost so controversial. I read to you last week, John 14, 17, Jesus said, the world cannot receive him, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, because they, they never see him or know him. They neither see him or know him. The world cannot receive him. The world and the sin nature and the evil ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, are in conflict with the Holy Spirit. So there is a conflict, there is a controversy about the Holy Spirit because the Spirit and the flesh are opposites. 
See, one of the easiest ways to obey God is to disobey your flesh. Because your flesh will always want too much. Your flesh will always go too far. Your flesh will always be selfish. Your flesh will do things that are good, but for an impure motive. So disobeying your flesh oftentimes will steer you right into obeying the Holy Spirit. But that's not all. It's not the only reason this is so controversial. Remember, I told you that there was 40 days that represented a trial. God, first three days, 40 days of trial, seven days of completion. Who was on trial? Jesus had already risen from the dead. Who was on trial? Satan. Satan was on trial. Can I show you in Scripture? The 40 days of trial was the court case being heard of the condemnation of Satan himself. John chapter 16, verse 7, but very, tr- very uh, truly I tell you, Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, watch, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now watch this about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no more, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Isn't that good? I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear right now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because he's from me. He will receive uh, what he, uh, and what he receives he will make known unto you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I have said the spirit will receive from me what he makes known unto you. Pentecost is controversial because it convicts the world of sin, and of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that there's only one way to the Father. Guys, that's hugely controversial. Jesus said it's going to convict the world of sin. The the world is full of flesh and sin nature and does not like to be confronted. Jesus is the only way to righteousness. But finally, and the prince of this world now stands condemned. The trial is over. The judge has ruled. The verdict is in, and there's one piece of the story we're waiting for. We're waiting for the bailiff, King Jesus, to come take that sucker, that snake, that devil, and cast him into the ever-living, burning lake of fire. That's the last piece of the story, guys. Jesus comes back and actually takes the criminal away and puts him in ever-living, burning fire for the rest of his life, for the rest of eternity. That's the last part of the story. So it's controversial. Because this celebration, this holiday today, it's the, it's the anniversary of the worst day of Satan's life. Okay? It's the anniversary of his conviction, of his condemnation. And now he's in limbo, already defeated, trying to trick you to believe he's not, waiting for the bailiff to come and lock him up. That's all that's left. And he's mad about it. So he's constantly trying to stir up conflict around it. 
Now, in this story at Pentecost, there were three types of people that witnessed it. There were people that were amazed. There were people that were confused or perplexed. And then there were people that were jaded and skeptical. So the question is, which one are you? In a service like this, where I'm talking about tongues and prophecy and miracles and healings and the power of God and all this kind of stuff, which category do you fall in? Are you amazed at this stuff and all in? Come on, get, bring it, man. Bring it more, more, more. Are you a little confused and like, man, I, Joel, I got some more questions. Or are you skeptical? And you're like, man, this stuff is baloney. Forget this weird dude. I'm never coming back here ever again. Oaks Patui. Forget this place. <laughs> you're one of the three, right? Then you get to, you get to choose. You get to choose. But I just got to give you a warning. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Because of the three different positions, amazed, confused, or skeptical, there's only one position that's in danger. See, Jesus said that you can blaspheme me, the Son of God, and you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can never be forgiven. That's the words of Jesus. So I'm okay if you're not amazed yet. Just at least be asking questions. Don't be the skeptic that makes fun of the Holy Spirit stuff. And listen, there's some weird stuff out there. So what's your response to it? Mm, some weird stuff out there. I'm still asking questions. But don't be the skeptic. Don't speak against it. Because if you do, you put yourself in a dangerous position of blaspheming what the Holy Spirit's actually doing. Something serious. It's something to consider. Jesus said the world cannot receive him. So that's the next question. Are you open to receive the Holy Spirit? Are you open? What if God has in store for you to walk in some of these gifts of power? Are you open to that? Look, I, I have been in my life a victim of bullying. Not anymore. I made a decision as a kid. No one will ever take advantage of me ever again. Won't allow it. I'm gonna walk in power. What I'm telling you is, if you opt out of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it puts you in the position to be more of a victim to the enemy. And I wouldn't want that for you. I hope you wouldn't want that for yourself. I prefer, come on, being empowered is kind of an American thing, right? We like our power, we like our rights, we like our, by God, we're in Texas. Jesus gave the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, and all we have to do is ask for it. All we have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus literally said, he gave an illustration. He said, if you ask your father on earth for, for, for a bread to eat, will he give you a rock? If you ask him for a fish, will he give you a snake? He says, no. Even you as evil People know how to give good gifts to your children. And then Jesus says this. He says, and how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask of him? How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask of him? 
So now you just gotta gotta figure out, are you gonna be open? You're gonna be open for the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you gonna be open if God wants to give you a prayer language? Are you gonna be open if God wants to use you to to prophesy and to speak mysteries? Are you gonna be open if God wants to give you uh, gifts of supernatural wisdom? Are you gonna be open to it? Are you gonna receive it? Or are you gonna try to dictate and control? Is God in charge or are you in charge? I'm just gonna read you a few different things. And I'm gonna, over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna read to you some verses about praying in the Holy Spirit, specifically because it's Pentecost. There were two things that were, were signs. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So I wanna explain those things just a little bit. And then over the next few weeks, we'll get into a number of other things as we continue with the series. Jesus's brother Jude wrote in Jude chapter one, verse 20, but you dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Or another translation says, by praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Last week I mentioned, or the week before I mentioned you, one of the ways you pray in the Spirit, there's three main ways you pray in the Holy Spirit. One of the ways is you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide your mind so that you know what he wants you to pray about. Another way, I'll explain in just a moment. Romans chapter eight, verse 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And now he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I want to bring these two things together. Jude said, you build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing the word of God builds your faith, okay? Praying in the Holy Spirit builds your faith. Why? Because you're hearing the word of God. Then we see this picture in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 where Paul is describing how there are times where you don't know what to pray at all. In fact, you can't even put words together. But the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. He will give you the ability to make sounds, syllables, groanings that you don't understand at all. But it literally says, I just read to you, but whoever searches the hearts, God, knows the mind of the Spirit, Because the Spirit, he, makes intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. There's actually a way that you can give in to the Holy Spirit, open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to pray through you, and you make utterances. You can't put words together. Have you ever been in a position where it was so grievous, so dark, you didn't know how to pray? That's what Paul's talking about here. That the Holy Spirit can pray through you and pray perfect prayers that get answered every time. You can actually take yourself out of the equation. Can I tell you, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you, and I wish that all of you would pray in tongues. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And he said, but in a a group setting, in a church service, I would much rather you prophesy. What's that mean? And I'm going to read another verse to you in just a second to explain some of that so that you understand it. But there is, there's a number of different ways that you can pray in the Holy Spirit. There are actually Holy Spirit prayer languages. You can receive 
a specific prayer language that's your prayer language. And then we see the actual illustration on Pentecost where it was an outward prophetic tongue. It was a tongue in a known human language. Can I tell you that I've known missionaries and I've actually been in services in my lifetime in America where there was a missionary who was praying and they prayed in their prayer language what they thought was their prayer language, and someone else in that service came up afterwards and said, how did that person know my language? I'm from this tribe in Africa, and he spoke my perfect dialect. I've been in services where there was a lady uh, behind on the second row who did not speak English at all, but was praying in her prayer language and spoke to the person in front of her a prophetic word in perfect English, and she spoke no English. Can't explain it, can't make it happen, can't reproduce it. That stuff happens whenever God sees fit for it to happen. But the person that operated it in it was just praying in their Holy Spirit prayer language and all of a sudden God did something different. I received the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit. My prayer language is made up of two major, major types. I pray in the spirit, I pray in my personal prayer language that I received as a 12-year-old kid at youth camp, and I've been practicing it ever since. Started with just a couple syllables, and then it grew into a, into a beautiful prayer language. It's my personal prayer language. The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you pray mysteries to God. I'll show you that passage. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Why am I taking time talking about this? Because it would be really, 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 really selfish of me to have one of the greatest secret ingredients of how I've been able to live my life powerfully for God, and I'm too embarrassed to talk about it with you. Be really selfish. I don't want to be that guy. So I'm going to talk about it. You can disagree with me. You can have more questions. Just try to stay out of the skeptical seat, okay? Try to stay out of the skeptical seat, because I'm just going to read you the Bible. I'll give you some of my own experiences but this is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For if anyone speaks in a tongue, does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So you can pray in your prayer language. There's a difference. If I were to get up here and start praying in my personal prayer language, it wouldn't do you any good. Because it's not for you. It's directly to him. But, but Jude, the brother of Jesus, said it edifies me. It builds me up. It builds up my faith. So praying in my personal prayer language is directly to God, and it builds up my faith. And it also prays mysteries that I don't even know, and they're the perfect things that God once prayer, prayed for. It's a really cool thing. Watch this, verse 4. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves. You build up yourself. But one who prophesies edifies the whole church. I would like for, uh, for every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. This is not talking about in your personal prayer language. This is talking about in a group setting. In a group setting, it's better if I use English because all y'all speak English. If I, if I delivered the whole message in German, would it benefit you? If I, if I delivered the whole message... Shoot, if I delivered the whole message in Scottish, you wouldn't even understand that, and that's actually English. <laughs> it needs to be in the public, it needs to be in a language 
that's beneficial. But watch this. It does not mean that you're not allowed to pray in your prayer language in church. Because while we're worshiping and while we're praying and you're interacting, you're praying directly to God, you're not talking to somebody else. You're not communicating to somebody else. You're communicating to him. So if you want to pray in the spirit, sing in the spirit in your own language, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. It's not illegal. In fact, it's also, according to this passage, not illegal for if the Holy Spirit moved on me and gave me a prophetic tongue in a heavenly language or a different language to deliver it, I just need to make sure that someone's got the interpretation or it's wasted. It means it does nothing. Paul made it clear at the end of this passage. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others. Watch this, verse 14 or verse 39, the last one I'll read. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, I eagerly be eager, watch this, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. I wanted to read you those, I'll read you those passages, those verses. I'd encourage you to read those. If you have questions, shoot us questions, info at oakschurch.com. I don't want you to be confused. I want to answer as many questions as I possibly can. I already told you, I grew up way over here, right? And, and I, I try to live my life in a place that's balanced, that I'm, that, that, that I'm not offensive, and I'm not over the top, and I'm not pushing people away. I try to live my life in a manner where I'm shining the light of God in a, in a manner that the light is, is appropriate for the situation. Because you can blind people by being insensitive to the position or the place they find themselves in in life right now. But I'm not gonna back down. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And I just want you to know, we're gonna, I'm gonna have the worship band come up here and they're just gonna flow uh, in a second. And we're gonna give you the opportunity. Um, our prayer team's gonna come down. If you wanna receive uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna give you the opportunity. If, if you, and I'm gonna pray over you, and I'm, we're actually just gonna transition the service in just a moment. Um, and if you would prefer to go about your day and go do lunch and whatever, you can do that. If you would prefer to be in this moment, I believe there's a number of people that are gonna wanna receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's a number of people that are gonna wanna receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You may have never had the opportunity to receive a, a Holy Spirit prayer language, and you'll have the opportunity to receive that. Or maybe you have in the past, but you stopped doing it, and you kind of would like to be recharged again. All of those are good and valid things. And we just want to create the atmosphere for anyone that's comfortable and anybody that wants to receive the Holy Spirit, specifically on Pentecost Sunday. What a great, great opportunity on Pentecost Sunday. And you specifically would like to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, potentially receive your prayer language, receive your ability to prophesy. Think about that. The, the, the word prophesy means to speak from divine counsel. How powerful would it be in your life if you could know that you know that you know that you hear the voice of God and you could speak from God's counsel? That's all it is. It shouldn't be spooky. How, how powerful would it be in your life that you knew that you had received a special prayer ability that nobody else understood and you don't even understand, but you can pray perfect prayers to the Father, directly to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will actually help you pray. It's pretty cool pretty cool. These are like secret weapons and they're really beneficial. And all you got to do is want them. Just ask for them, want them. And, and God will release that ability. Every single person at Pentecost received it. 
Did you know that 20 years later when Paul came across some believers in Acts chapter 19, he came across some believers and he said, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit's all about. We never heard about that. And so he laid hands on them and prayed for them. And 20 years later in Acts chapter 19, all 12 of those disciples received the infilling of the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. Just like Pentecost. You have the opportunity to receive a gift that will plug you into the power of God and be exponentially beneficial in your life. And all you gotta do is want it and ask for it. And we're gonna be down front, we're gonna pray for you, and we're gonna help you walk in that if that's something you desire. And if it's, if it's not something you're ready for right now, then just keep asking questions. Don't feel any condemnation, don't feel any guilt, just keep asking questions. And if it's something that you believe in and you wanna support, stick around and we'll worship just a little bit more and, and you can help us pray for people as well, okay? But why don't you go ahead, if you just stand to your feet, uh, I'm going to ask our worship team, to, or not our worship team, it's already here. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come on down front. And um, we're just going to open it up here. I'm going to speak a blessing over you real quick. And any of you that want to receive the power of God in your life, just go ahead and come on down front whenever we dismiss. And uh, any of you that want to stick around and just worship with us and pray with us over people, that's wonderful. We would love, and, then, and the rest of you, you're, uh, you'll be dismissed. And we're grateful for you. We love you. And we can't wait to see you back here next week at Oaks Church. Uh, we want you to be comfortable, and we want you to love your experience here. And we want to make sure that we're doing our very best to open up the opportunity for people to walk in all that God has for them. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the beautiful people of Oaks Church. God, I ask you just to bless them. I ask you to put your hands upon them. I ask you to expand their territory and to give them your favor in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And we just ask you, God, as we begin to pray for people, that you would pour out your spirit, just like the prophet Joel said, you would pour out your spirit, and the sons and the daughters would prophesy, and they would see visions, and they would know your will in the name of Jesus, and we give you praise. Amen. 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 God bless you. Come on down for prayer if you want prayer. Stay and worship and pray if you like. And uh, you're also dismissed if you'd like to go. God bless you.
I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. You're going to pray a simple prayer. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in your life. You're going to ask for the gift of your prayer language. And then you're going to lift up your hands. You're going to open your mouth. You're going to take a deep breath. And you're just going to breathe out. And whatever sound comes out, comes out. You cannot do it wrong. Here's the secret. The Holy Spirit, when you ask him, he comes into you. And he fills you right then. And then he gives you the ability, the utterance. He inspires a sound to make. It will always, always, always feel like you're the one making it up. And the reason is because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and he's inspiring you from the inside out, okay? And he's putting ideas in your head to make a syllable that he's giving the utterance to make. He's putting the idea for the syllable of the prayer language in your head. You're not making it up. You've just asked him to give it to you, and he's giving it to you. And you just got to trust him and go with it. Amen? So I just want to pray with you, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And then if you want to come up front and have someone actually lay hands on you, you can, but you can receive it right there. I've led people in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and they've gotten their prayer language online. You may be online right now, and you want this. Praise God. Let's get it right now. Okay? So pray with me. Just lift up your hands like this. Remember, Jesus said, if you ask, he'll give it to you. He said, if you ask, he'll give it to you. Just say this. Say, Father, I believe in your Holy Spirit. I want him in my life. I ask you to give me the Holy Spirit. I ask you to give me my own prayer language. I ask you to give me the gift of prophecy so I can hear your voice and declare your word. But Father, I want a prayer language that's personal, that's powerful, to pray perfect prayers by the Holy Spirit. And I ask for it right now. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Amen. Now keep your eyes closed. Lift your hands all the way up. Open your mouth up. Take a deep breath. And as you release the breath out, begin to make whatever sound is coming into your own imagination through the Holy Spirit putting the idea right now. Take a deep breath and just begin to let whatever sound come out. Come on, just begin to let that sound come out. You have to make the sound come out. 
You've already received it. Just go with it. You've already received it. You've asked for the Holy Spirit. Take a deep breath in. Open your mouth wide. Hands up, right, raised all the way up high. Just let that sound come out. I'm praying a perfect prayer to God right now. Just whatever sound comes out, just go with it. Just go with it. If you're having a hard time and you want someone to help you get a little over the over the, the hill with it, just come down front. These people right down front will help you. If you feel stuck, just come down front. They'll help you. But you've already asked for it. He already gave it to you. You're learning a brand new prayer language, just like a baby learns a language. A baby imitates the sound of its parents, and it makes the sound that it's hearing, and you're imitating a sound that's coming to you inside of your spirit right now. Just go ahead and let it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You said that if anyone asked for the Holy Spirit, our Father would give the Spirit to them. And when the Spirit comes, He comes with gifts. Father, we thank you for the gift of tongues and prophecy. We thank you for the gift of praying in our perfect prayer language. Thank you. We receive it right now. Just keep praying right now. Just take a moment. Just keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Paul said that you could actually sing in your prayer language. You could begin to sing in that language. You don't have to only pray in it. He said that you could pray in your language and you could also sing in your prayer language. You could release that right now too and just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. You could sing in the Holy Spirit. They're both very biblical things to do. Go ahead and get a little bit bolder with it. Begin to lift your voice up a little more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can't do it wrong. You can't do it wrong. It's just whatever syllable comes to your mind. You just, you have to, but you have to be the one to choose to make the sound. No one can make you talk. No one can make you talk. You have to choose to go with it and make the sound. It's your personal prayer language. It's your new Holy Spirit-led prayer language, and you just choose to go with it. You have received it. You asked for it. You have received it. Thank you, Jesus. 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 If anybody wants a little more help, just come on down front. One of these wonderful people will pray with you and help you. Just come on down front. Come and get don't don't leave. Don't leave without it. He already gave it to you, but if you if you need a little help getting it activated, just come down here and let one of these wonderful people pray with you and help you get it activated. That's awesome. They're gonna help you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're building up your most holy faith right now, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Father, we give you praise. 
We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We glorify you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for releasing the Spirit. We thank you for perfect prayers by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that any single person that asked, you gave it to them. Father, any of those that maybe feel like they're having a tough time and can't quite get it to come out, Father, as they go home and as they practice, as they begin to, to get alone and as they begin to practice, just, Father, give them the courage and the guts to step out and begin in private just to make those sounds and those syllables. Just go with whatever sound you feel in your spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. It, you can begin to feel the power of God begin to stir up inside of you. As you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build up your most holy faith. It fans the flame of God inside of you and gives you power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer for anything else at all, come on down front. Anything else at all, come on down front. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. If you feel stuck at all, come on down front. We'll pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We're not in any rush. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for releasing your presence upon your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. you to release supernatural faith over these people. These are people that are hungry, Father. They could have left. They could have gone to lunch, but they wanted more. Father, would you release just a supernatural gift of faith upon them, supernatural gift of faith upon them to walk in everything that you've called them to walk in, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit at the highest levels. Father, would you give them boldness and courage by the Holy Spirit? Would you awaken supernatural knowledge that they would be tuned into your spirit as they begin to pray and as they begin to worship? Tuned into your spirit and they will know things they wouldn't naturally know. They would have answers and solutions for things that they wouldn't naturally have the answers for. Father, let the gifts of the spirit begin to manifest inside of them for the benefit of the body of Christ, for the benefit of the people. Father, none of this is for our own accolade. All of this is for the benefit of your people. In Jesus' name. 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 We give you praise. Father, we seal this holy moment and we thank you for this time. God, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would just seal this, that the gifts that they have received, the seeds that have been sowed, you will guard them. They're in good soil. You will protect them. They're in good soil and they will reap the harvest. They will give birth to the harvest that you have desired for those seeds in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. We know that you are good. We know that you are God. We know that you are holy. We know that you are righteous and we submit to you totally and completely in Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for sticking around. You're welcome to stick around a little bit more if you want. Uh, But thank you for being with us. If you have any questions, we'd love to help you. God bless. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.